The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Good evening or good afternoon, depending on whether you're listening to me live or on the podcast of The Dyslexic Detective. This is a Ben Vigin, courtesy of The Deadline Report and via Fresh FM, the greatest little radio station in the South Island and probably all the universities that I've travelled through. My special guest today with me is Ted Howard, who not only is a man that has amazing t- talents and technology in the, in the rare field of kiteology, but he's also a fantastic special forces of the elite Peace Warrior International Unit that we all need of, because that's my big point right now, is we need a little bit of peace, and that's what I want for Christmas, and I don't want peace for one side, I want peace for all, and today I'm going to talk to Ted mostly about some of his experience in the being the peace moment, where we need to get back to uh, back to our basics, because I think we've been really um, misguided and, and hijacked in many cases. Let's start off with Ted, we'll just start to get in with, you know, just give me your, your little journey from... From 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 where you've come from to how you okay. now ended up being the special forces elite peace <laughs> trooper. Okay, so I served twelve years in the New Zealand Army Territorials, uh, eight of them as a sapper in the uh, Royal New Zealand Army Engineers. Yep. So field engineering, and, and a then, sapper is a person that basically knows how to make things go boom boom. Yeah, did a lot of demolition work, which of course um, immediately set me up to go. BS when I saw 9-11 happen yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'd done demolition work yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. BS. Well, anyhow, we'll, we'll, so we'll anyhow, stay away from that because I'm yeah. not going to go down that. I mean, it's <laughs> not that I don't want to because yeah. we will yeah. cover that one another day, but right. what I want to do today is keep it night. In fact, yep. where, I, where I'm actually glad you mentioned the 9-11 issue is that Prior to 9-11, we had what we called the Project for the New American Century, which yeah, was really it. promoted by these hardcore um, sons of, of Star Wars, Ronald Reagan, Cold War w- warriors of the worst, evilest kind. And then we had 9-11, which has basically allowed their foreign policy to become a mainstream wet dream. And oddly enough, the, a lot of the so-called liberals are all good with us. How did that happen? I mean, I mean, exactly. not talking about the 9-11, but, what, but why is our peace movement – I mean – and this is the thing I want to get. I've been. I'm hitting this drum again and again. Is that right now we are the closest that we've ever been to a World War Three. Literally, we are less than ninety seconds to midnight on the on the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists' doomsday clock, which measures our possibility of nuclear free. And you know how much news that's getting? No. no. How did this happen? Well, some of us have actually complained to the doomsday clock people and mm. said you're you're way off what's really happening, yeah. and it should be less than thirty seconds. I to agree. Midnight. Yeah. And some of us have been pushing this message yeah. for some time and getting nowhere. So, yeah, I, I served eight years in the Army Engineers mm. and then four years in the Education Corps as an audiovisual specialist. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then when Gulf War I happened, I had a close, hard yeah. look at it and went, this is a war of empire. I don't want anything to well, do that, with that, this. That's my experience, too, because I, I was the Royal New Zealand Artillery and, and yep. Intelligence. And likewise, when the first Gulf War came through, I had a look at that and I went, I am not going to fight in a war for oil men. Yeah, unfortunately, my army engineer unit was one of the first ones to be called up to go into Afghanistan and then Iraq. So I just went, I want no part of this. And I resigned and became a peace activist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and by 2003, I was joining other ex-military people. And we were lobbying the the, uh, New Zealand government hard 
on please don't get involved yeah, but, but, in Gulf but, but, War Two because but, of the depleted but, uranium they're using. Because you've been in the military, yeah. all the peace activists today who all come out of the university, they won't talk to you because you're a warmonger. You know, I mean, but in reality, is what it is, is you're a person that understands boots on the ground, so you understand what depleted uranium actually does yes. to people and how it I kills got, them. That's my training. Know? And so when we talk about depleted uranium in Ukraine, and none of these guys, these young guys, have any idea about the fact that this will kill for another thousand years. You know, we're not, we're, no, we're, no, we're, again, half, the algorithm is not having that conversation, is it? Half-life of 4.5 billion years. Whoa. So it's forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in a, in a thousand years' yeah. time, it's more radioactive yeah. than it is now. Yeah. It's forever. Yeah. And the problem is that, of course, people don't realize that yeah. the Apache helicopters that the IDF have just been using, um, and they shot the crap yeah. out of all of those vehicles yeah. at the uh, dance, at the trans dance uh, yeah. event, and, and also well, that, they, they that, shot that, up the, the that, kibbutzes. That, that has yet to be confirmed, but it is a very interesting point because I am talking to people in Israel directly. What's not been talked about is the forensics of uh, the people on the ground. But where I'm, where I'm more concerned about is that suddenly what happens is that this terrible event takes place. We're seeing people running around in Wellington go, free Palestine, and it's immediately about, oh, we're going to take a side. And when I'm saying, you know what? If we, we didn't have this horrendously nasty military-industrial complex out there in the first place, none of this stuff would be happening, period. Exactly. But the Apache, Apache helicopters, mm. unfortunately, were firing at these vehicles and at the kibbutz, mm. and we have these burnt-to-cinder bodies. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's because they're firing depleted uranium to yeah, rounds. Yeah, yeah, and, and, that, and that's, that's the other thing. I mean, that's going as if... if I'll, take, I'll take us back to the first Gulf War because... You make a statement like that, and again, people go, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. But we, we made the statement during the first Gulf War that there was no weapons of mass destruction in WMD. And people like Scott Ritter, who's the world specialist in, in this particular topic, out, totally outed and went, you know what? That was an absolute lie. And in fact, the same people that are now telling us the lies about what's going on in the Ukraine and what's going on in Israel, literally are the same people that were telling us the war in the first uh, MWD, which of course none of our media, which has any historical memory, reports any of these things. And then of course, Chris Ritter also turned around and pointed out when they started talking about chemical weapons in Syria, which again is part of this project of a new American century, which if people stopped looking at social media and they actually went and read books and went, you know, this conflict didn't begin last week on the social media theme of the week. It's actually been something that people like me and you have been talking about and writing about for 10 to 15 years. Over 20 years. 20 years, yeah, correctly, exactly, you know. 23 years, in fact, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I just look at it all and go, yeah, I follow, I've been following Scott Ritter for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, a, a lot of other uh, people who would be considered by the mainstream to be uh, heretics. Yeah, but the thing is, that's the point, is Scott Ritter cannot be considered a heretic. He is literally, he was the United Nations weapons inspector. Yeah. You know, and they only fired him when he actually started doing his job. Yeah. And, and, it, and it didn't matter that they fired him. He still had enough overwhelming information that even to this day, everyone, even Americans have to turn and go, okay, we admit there were no WMDs in Iraq. And, but we, we are now choosing to forget that as, again, we're being told, oh, you know, this is what's going on in Iran. This is hearsay. This is what's, and it's not a question of necessarily that they don't have these things taking place, but where is the proof and where is the evidence? And why is it that, we can have a Labour government for 12 years sat back and they didn't turn around and do anything about our weapon sales to Saudi Arabia and there was none of the, these students that are protesting about the terrible things about Israel and Palestine. They're all being quite happy to be quiet now. But now the Green Party and the Labour Party, who are now no longer in power, they get to play the role of protester even though they actually don't have any power. 
Isn't that convenient? No matter who you vote for, the government always gets in. Shall we actually take a little bit of a break and we will play that song, Whoever You Vote For, The Government Gets In? I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not even saying three. What I am saying is four, five, and six. May I remind my honourable May I remind May I Warmest. Uh, 
the other day I was kissing a French boo for a photograph and words again. I saw that printed. I was French kissing a photograph of Boo Boo. Charming kind of action, rather modest but playful action. Well, I promise you, words could not express my feelings. That feelings, that funny thing. Okay, so you're on the Deadline Report with my special guest today is Ted Howard, one of the special forces of the Peace Warriors, and like me, an ex-soldier who's woken up and gone, we we cannot carry on. This is the 21st century, and this is how we are still resolving our conflict resolution. Now, at the moment, again, what really, really sort of freaks me out is that we have the media talking about, oh, what's happening in Israel and Palestine, and they're focusing on this little proxy war. Meanwhile, what they're not talking about is the fact that you are seeing the rapid deployment of massive nuclear tactical weapons on a scale that's never been seen beforehand. I'll talk a little bit about that, but you just mentioned before something about the THAAD missiles. The US has sent THAAD missiles to Israel. Yeah. That's a specific... Is that the Dome of, the dome, um, the dome of Thunder or Dome of... No, no. The, the, these missiles are specifically designed for trying to take out intercontinental ballistic missiles yep. that are coming in. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they're getting ready for nuclear war. Yeah. There's carrier groups. The U.S. carrier yep. groups are turning up. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, that, like that's the thing again huge. is that not being reported is that yep. right now we've actually got not one, not two, but we've got three U.S. carriers, two in the Mediterranean, one in the Red Sea. There was a massive amphibious fleet there. Yep. Um, the U.S. has admitted that it's deployed nuclear submarines, which are threat of nuclear weapons attacks against Iraq. There is a line of C-17s, which are, have been specifically converted to uh, a ship um Tactical nuclear weapons, and this is an amazing one for you too. Under the Labour government, we bought two C-17s, and we participated in, in a, an exercise in the Pacific called Dragonfire. I think Dragonfire or Dragonfly, but the purpose of it was to actually use 17s as a deployment system for launching tactical nuclear weapons. This is, let's think about that. We, th- and that was the purpose of the exercise was the US teaching its Five Eyes allies, which includes New Zealand, how to deploy tactical nuclear weapons. We are seeing the deployment of tactical nuclear weapons by the Russians to Belarus. We're seeing the deployment of tactical nuclear weapons into the Arctic Circle, not just by the US forces, but to NATO allies. This is, I mean, you talked about beforehand at the moment, the bulletin of atomic scientists is saying 90 seconds, and that was before the invasion of the Ukraine. The reality is we are probably close to 30 seconds, and that's, to give you a scale, and I'm going to let you have a little say in just a second here, but to give you a scale is that if the Russians deploy their hypersonics from the Arctic Circle, the time that it takes for them to launch a nuclear weapon from the Arctic Circle to Washington is three minutes. So Cheyenne Mountain has got three minutes to respond. Yeah, and that, of course the issue is the Russians... Uh, have been saying for some time, if you come after us with your conventional forces, we don't have a big enough force to push mm. you back. We will push the button for the dead yep. hand system yep. buried deep in the Urals that will, will send a signal to satellites um, and the whole system fires off all the nuclear weapons everywhere. automatically yeah. everywhere yeah. because the, their attitude is almost as bad as the Israeli um attitude which is the samson option well the thing if is, we can't control the sandbox we're taking you and, all and, out but with but us the, the thing is that the, the idea that's rooted in the idea of what we would have and again a lot of our younger listeners won't even know what this is because no one's talking about this yeah but it's rooted in the idea of mutual assured destruction which is like a mexican standoff mad. but the idea behind that was when the mutual assured destruction of the idea was you know launched back in the 1960s was you had a you know, three hour to half a day window of opportunity to work out whether or not the other guys were coming. We're now we're now down to you've literally got 
seconds to work out whether the blip on your radar is actually the real deal or the rats have got in and chewed the wires. You know, the, the, the room for gross, I think I'm allowed to say this on radio, screw-ups is massive. And this is yeah. where we're, I mean, this is high noon on methamphetamine. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that's where you get the uh, American uh, sayings of like foobar. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So it's like we're right on the edge yeah. of stunning change. The possibility of there being a mistake it's huge. Very high. I mean, and this is the thing. This is this is the issue again. This is not even necessarily about the issue of there being conspiracy per se, but there is the room for when you have a large scale of orchestrated deployment. The room for orchestrated uh, fuba, <laughs> which is or snaf- up, up beyond all recognition, or snafu, your snafu situation normal or ucked up, yeah. um, is it becomes you know exponentially greater and greater. And yeah. uh, you know, a- again, when we're in the situation where we have uh, national government's coming in. Um, the media, corporate media, is talking about the fact that someone spray painted a window. Oh my god! And it, and it made the building look messy. While we're on the edge of complete global annihilation, yep. but no one's actually talking about the fact that uh, you know when you're talking about this nuclear situation. So one of the ways that they would combat the Russians launching the Ural system would be to use the SpaceX system, which not only flies over the Ukrainian and Russian battlefields looking for targets and collecting intelligence, but it's trying to actually uh, hack the Russian defence network. And if it can do that, it cuts Putin off from his nuclear weapons. Now, once it's passed over that battlefield, it doesn't go. It goes over the water, and it doesn't come. In we need land again till it passes over New Zealand. And we've got six stations, one in Arawara, one in Hines, one somewhere up in Waiopa, two in the, uh, in the North Island with a third up up Dargaville also in the, in the North Island. And this collects all this information which then gets down, relayed through to places like Pine Gap in Australia and then through. So what would happen in the event that, you know, we, we've gone, like literally, you know, it's, it's, we're about to draw and go to high noon, pow, 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 was put in and would turn around and he would look at New Zealand and we could expect six tactical nuclear weapons. Or to ten. Be, or ten, yeah, in fact. One one big NBC, yeah. a, a, nuclear, one ten big nuclear int- weapons dropped on yeah. New Zealand. One one yeah, big missile with yeah. ten independent warheads. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and yeah. it's coming in at hypersonic speed. So that's basically everything in New Zealand wiped out. So what what we're saying to you, the listeners, and what we want you to go out there and tell your friends about, and why we want you to really, I don't I, I don't normally ask people to share this show, but I really want you to share the hell out of this. Is get through to people. This is not the other side of the world. This war, we are now on the front lines of this war because of all of these modern weapons, these next generation weapons that are dragging us into literally a Armageddon-based holocaust. I mean, we are frighteningly close. And it's not somewhere on the other side of the world. Five Eyes was never a good reason for New Zealand to have places like Waihopai. Yeah. Um, but but again, Five Eyes came out of the fact that once per time prior to 9-11, New Zealand was a country that lifted its middle index to the rest of the world and said, we're not doing nukes. You can take, we're going we're gonna to be the country of neutrality and we're going to be the role models. We're going to show people how adults actually behave. And now what's actually happening is we don't talk about a nuclear-free legacy anymore. Only time that Labour talks about peace is when they're actually out of power. Once they're in power, they're busily signing off on the national spending of, you know, we borrow $20 billion dollars. You know, people are living in the streets. We have a higher rate of poverty and homelessness than India does today. And meanwhile, we're, every year, our money on sp- on spies and soldiers spends higher more, while more and more people are dying in our own country because our government has got its priorities, both national and labour, so out of whack it's not funny.
It's running on other people's agendas, yeah. not ours. Yeah, and it's running on the agenda of the algorithm. So again, whatever side, whether you vote the red pill or the blue pill, you're letting your algorithm run, do your thinking while you're totally oblivious. No one's talking about the fact, as I said, again and again and again, we are, and bear in mind we've explained that this is a grossly underestimated figure, we're at 90 seconds to midnight and nobody thinks that this should be a headline story. Yeah. Oh, front frontline hood story. Uh, Planet Earth about to be wiped out by nuclear weapons. Nah, nah, nah. Let's go back to that story about uh, the fact that's, that the front windows of, of MAF was actually made bloody and yeah. painted on. Yeah. That's the frontline story. So the mainstream media as we know it is being called by some people in this country the legacy media. Yeah. Because it, it's that's all it is. Mm. It's just a legacy. It's not actually doing its job. It seems to be owned by well, people who have other agendas other than yeah. what we need for our country. Well, exactly. Well, the thing is, you've got, you've got. I mean, you know, for example, I mean, totally changing subject, but you've got Paddy um, Gower talking about Republicans at the moment. Now, I'm pretty sure if I sat down with Paddy and said, oh, by the way, Paddy, what kind of Republicanism? He would be going, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's been fed a script and he's just repeating it. He's not going to talk about any of the checks and balances or transparency system, because as you said, we have this media and we've got, oh, corporate, oh, oh, they're bashing the mainstream media. They must be conspiracy theories. No, what I'm talking about as someone's actually worked in the media is that from 1965, on to where we are is what we've actually seen is continuously public funding cuts so that the me the our actual our own New Zealand owned media has less and less money to do its job while there are increasingly more and more foreign ownership people who come in so then it becomes like you turn on the news it's like oh and we're going to be listening to the ANZ uh, sports followed by the the ASB sports followed by the Westpac sports so how can you expect any of these organizations to report without a conflict of interest about these organizations that are making the money because ANZ and its links to nuclear weapons are, are, are alleged Legendary. Same with um, Kiwi Saver and BlackRock, but they're not because that's literally shooting the mouth. That, that that's literally fighting the war that feeds you. Yeah. So we are being farmed. Mm -hmm. It's seamless, mm -hmm. and some of us are raising our heads above the parapet yep. and saying, "Hey, hang on a minute. We can see what's going on here. Yeah. How come everybody else can't?" Yeah. So here we are today, at the edge of potential for nuclear war, and it's like. So who's going to talk about it? Well, at least some of us are going to talk yeah. about it. Okay, look, I'm. I think this is. I mean, I'm really. I'm really thankful that you came on the show today because basically for the last four shows I've been repeating this edge because this is this is my, my, my mantra. I do the news that isn't shaped by the algorithm, and this is the story of the century that we need to be getting out there. Now, one of the things I think about is how do we get around the fact that our uh, peace movement has been hijacked by this political apodirectric system? You, uh, in your other life, actually make kites. And you give me one story, of, uh, you give me an example about how art, music, vibrancy and celebration are actually love. You know, things that come out of love are powerful tools. And, and, and in, in relation to you, uh, you tell me the story about the, 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 the what is it, how do you, you put it, you tell the story, you know, the kite one. Okay, so every year annually, there is a big international kite fly for peace called One Sky, One World. It happens the first, second uh, weekend of October. It's been going since mm. the 80s. I guess it was started by people who could see that we needed to do something about the, the so-called nuclear umbrella mm. that we were under, and they didn't want a part of it. And as, as we all know, those of us who, who know what's going on, once the nuclear uh, game gets underfoot and gets gets there's moving, no turning, there's no turning it back, and it goes everywhere. Yeah, 
Now, people don't understand this goes everywhere. Within two weeks of Gulf War II starting, and the especially the British racing into southern Iraq, the anti-nuclear activists in London were freaking out because the dust that was blowing all the way from the Middle East over London meant that the background radiation went up 400%. 400%. And people were screaming, in, in, well, the activists at least were screaming about this in London. It's like, what's going on? Of course, it's depleted uranium, which yeah. once it's fired, yeah. some of it goes around a shrapnel and the rest is... Uh, aerosolized into yep. nanoparticles, which yep. goes everywhere. Which is, it's, it's, you're soaking in a march. Yep. And this is, again, like the, what we, you know, when we look at the situation with the war in the UK, and I think we probably should wrap it up at this point, but when you're finding depleted uranium rounds in literally the food basket of the planet where we get all our wheat for, all our bread, that means that you know there is no escaping this. This is what you're going to be eating. This is why our cancer rates are going to, even without, I mean, the reality is we've got a far bigger crisis. We're literally on the edge of, of a nuclear war. But this is the modern war. For, this is the modern battlefield. And what we really need for Christmas this year is a little bit of peace. So I thought what I'd go out with is, again, the theme for this season is Snoopy's Christmas, Snoopy and the Red Baron. Thank you very much, Ted Howard, for being a guest on the Deadline Report with Ben Virgin, courtesy of Fresh FM, the greatest little radio station that's really got power for people and love for the people. Then with a roar, they were both on their way, each knowing they'd 
on some other day. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.